Welcome along to the Go Play Soccer podcast with host Manchester United Academy coach Tom Statham. At Go Play, our aim is to bring people together from all across the world to discuss the beautiful game. Tom Statham here, and this episode was recorded during my Academy tournament for 2006 boys in August 2021. And if you'd like to find out more about the tournaments I run, please visit my website, www.specialistsoccertours.co.uk. Or have a look at the dozens of pictures we put on Instagram at Specialist Soccer Tours. So after dinner on the first day of the tournament, I sat down to discuss player and coach development with three of the coaches involved. Wes Hughes, under-16 league coach at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Paul Cowie, head of academy coaching with Dundee United in Scotland. And Scott Allison, under-16 league coach at Norwich City. I hope you enjoy our discussion on the Go Play Soccer podcast. Thanks for joining us, gents. And the first thing we're going to do is just talk about the tournament here at Oakham School. So we've got a 2006 of under-16 tournament going on at the moment. And, you know, we've got some great clubs. We've got Plymouth Argyle and Sunderland and uh, Norwich City, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Leicester City here today. Um, So, Wes, what are your your thoughts about the first day of competition at the tournament? Yeah, it's, um, it's been good, to be honest. I think the boys have enjoyed it. Um, there's been a lot of variation in terms of the teams that are in there so the boys are quite excited they're not teams that we usually play um, so again like I say it's been been quite exciting for us because you know like I say for, for us and the boys there's a lot of learning to take place in there um, the, the tournament's been well organised to be fair Great and it's your first time to Oakham as well Matt so what are your impressions? It's been effortless for us to just step in, coach and let the boys enjoy themselves playing football. So it's been thoroughly enjoyable for us to, to be a part of that. And thank you for inviting us. You're welcome. And what do you think about the environment? Because what I try and do is create an environment where people can develop and learn. Um, obviously, the games are going to be competitive. Everyone wants to win. But the environment in terms of that, but also um, I think Oakham is a beautiful place and the pitches are in a great location. So how have you found the environment? It's, it's brilliant and it's uh, it's great for the lads to to come into an environment like this. Obviously in Norwich, we, uh, we're a bit out far up to the right. So uh, coming inside of it is, is great fun for the boys. It's different for them. And um, it's just a, it's just something, it's a big change. Like tournament football, we absolutely love tournament football because you see a difference in the lads. You see them away from parents, away from home, and it gives them the opportunity to just enjoy the environment, especially one as good as this. It's just great for them to come into it and let themselves loose. And then football at the end of the day, you can't beat that. So, <laughs> Great stuff. And Paul, have you been impressed with the facilities here at Oakham School? Absolutely. I think they've been first class. I think the pitches um, have been a great level for the boys to play on. The facilities here have um, been very welcoming. The playing surfaces for me today were yeah, yeah, of a really yeah. good standard. And that definitely great. raises the boys' games in, in terms of not just the opposition, but actually being able to come and play on a surface that's of a high quality, it helps. At Dundee United, what sort of priority do you place? What sort of emphasis do you place on getting away from Scotland, um, you know, going on tours, going to tournaments? Um, you know, how do you work that into your year-long programme? Yeah, I think the additional games programme that we try and provide our players is, as we've mentioned already, about experiences, exposure to different opposition in Scotland you know we've got an elite academy group where we play the same opposition throughout the year so it's a a great new challenge different environment different players 
different styles of play that they come up against. So when you talk about learning experiences, there's there's plenty of opportunities for them to, um, one, within the games, find solutions with the different oppositions that they're playing against, but two, just take away the reflection of the styles that they're playing against and how do we um, play in our style and our identity to, to combat that. So it's been a great challenge so far the first two games this morning. Um, were very competitive. I thought they were of a high standard. Um, so these experiences are second to none to players um, coming out of the, the Scotland environment. And Wes, would you agree with that from Wolves' point of view? Yeah, certainly. I mean, without going over what's already been mentioned, I think like if you know you look at even say from a cultural perspective, we notice differences in the lads from Scotland, which our boys could learn from. Um, I would like to think that you know that 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 could be reciprocated, but certainly from like you know the boys' togetherness, the way that they operated, problem solved. Um, I thought they were more vocal than our lads. Um, again, that, that might be a cultural thing, but there were certain things that we will go back and reflect on and say, look, what what can you learn from these boys? You know, how how was it for you individually up against your marker? What you know, what were sort of things that were being said? What how was he trying to get the better of you? You know, different things, and we we noticed that as staff. Um, so I think there's there's great great opportunities there for all. Um, coach behaviour, we're we're learning from each other on the sideline. You know, what are the sort of interventions that, that, that other coaches are doing? Can you you know can you nick a little gem from someone that, that you think oh that was quite cute or something from their warm up or something that was being said or done. Um, so you're always on the learning journey. Um, right, great. And, and Matt, what about away from the games? What other opportunities are you taking to spend time with the the boys and interact and get to know them and, and hopefully increase their learning? It was great for them because they're actually learning life skills. Like, for instance, they've got to know when they've got to go to bed without someone telling them to go to bed. They've got to wake up on time. There's little bits during the day. They've got to manage their bodies, manage what they eat. I have to say that the food's been absolutely sensational, by the way, um, and, they've, and they've buzzed off that. But it's about the life skills for them, but also for us, for coaches and staff, we're, we're looking after up to 18 kids here. And, you know, like all of them have got to be looked after. You can't just focus on one. All of them is a whole squad. So it's great for us for that adaptability, for them to adapt to what they need and them to adapt to us and how we are outside of our, our little bubbles in Scotland, yeah. the Midlands and Norfolk. So... It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I, I, we love tournaments. We'll go to any tournament we can. It's great. Great. And just now moving on to you personally, Matt, you know, I know you were started at Southend United. Yeah. Um, you know, did you apply for a job at Norwich straight from Southend? How did that how did that progression happen? Yeah, I worked for Southend part-time and then managed to go full-time. So I was there for roughly six years. Uh, I was full-time for two years at Southend as foundation phase lead. Then a role came up in uh, in Norwich, which was a foundation phase role again, full time. And I applied for that. To be honest, I wasn't, wasn't expecting to even get an interview for it. Uh, I did, lucky enough to get the role. And then uh, I did that for a year. Um, but we sort of, that's when COVID sort of hit. And uh, so the season was interrupted, funny enough. But um, then the uh, lead 15-16s role came up. So I just applied for that internally. And I was lucky enough to get that one again. So um yeah, it's been it's been quite. She's got a good CV. Got yeah, good, good at quite, writing letters. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> been quite fast, but I've got loads to learn. Like I really enjoyed the foundation phase, but personally, for me, aspirations have always been to work higher, and and this is a big step, but a welcome one. I'm really enjoying it. I'm learning all the time, so I can only, again echo what you said. Where's like, for instance, I I can see how other coaches how they work and that, and it's to improve myself to then at the end of the day better for the lads. 
or the only thing I care about is being better for the boys so they can hopefully have a future in the game. And what about Norwich as a club you mentioned? For those people that don't know England that well, Norwich is right on the East Coast, um, a bit isolated yeah. you know, from, from some of the rest of the country. So have you found that particular part of the country? But more importantly, what about Norwich City as a, as a club and the culture that's there um, you know, for you to work amongst? Well, if anyone goes north, they'll say it's lovely. It is an absolutely lovely place. Um, the culture of the football club is brilliant. Um, the whole staff and environment, staff and players, is just top draw, to be honest with you. The way you looked after, uh, just the messages, it's just honest. Like I say, it's so honest how you want to, how they want you to work, how, how you can give your opinion, how they take your opinion. It's just all for the better benefit and better for the lads. So that's all they really care about. And that's probably the most important thing there is. And Norwich have been a little bit of a yo yo club going, yeah. you know, they're. they're you know, great that they're back in the Premier League for this coming season. Um, who've they got on the weekend, by the way? The weekend, Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool at the weekend. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. nice and easy. Yeah. So, but it's great to have Norwich back in the Premier League. Um, so you've been in the Championship a little bit in the Premier League. So, looking at Wolves, who are a team that have managed to establish themselves over the last few years, how important has that been, Wes, to to Wolves um, in the academy, establishing yourself, being regular members now? You know, you, you're consistently performing well in the Premier League. How's that affected the academy? Well, it's changed a lot for us, to be honest. Um, I think I think we've got some good people in the building who, who tend to perform better under pressure. And we know that we're under a lot of pressure now. Um, the standard of the player that's required now is, is, is going to be of a difference, obviously, um, to when they were in League One. When I was there as a part-time member of staff in the, in the first instance, um, well, it, it went from Prem, probably shouldn't to do it, <laughs> Prem, Prem Championship and then League One. Um, but but no, I'd, I'd left by then. Um, and then to see them come back and, and like you say, re-establish themselves has been fantastic. New owners have come in, different direction. The academies, like I say, took a different direction in terms of the way that they want to produce players. Um, when I, I can go back to my early days there many moons ago, probably 10, 11 years ago, as a part-time member of staff in the foundation phase. And it was very methodical. It was very rigid in terms of the type of drills and practices that were were, were being put on. Um, and you know, was, there's you know proofs in the pudding. The type of player that we're producing at the time, they tended to produce more defensive players. Um, and and now you know you look at like a Morgan Gibbs White who looks a little bit more loose and free. Um, you know, probably needs more first team football without speaking out of turn. But you know needs to keep keep developing as a young player. But if you look at the type of player that he is, um, you know you can see now that they're taking a different direction. And we'd like to think that we can keep producing better players, um, more attacking-minded players as well. Um, independent decision makers are what we set it out to, to to sort of produce. And then what are the little bits that we need to add throughout the, the different stages of their development as individuals rather than groups, um, and, and kind of more focusing on the individual now. Yeah, my experience of Wolves as a Manchester United coach would be like 10 years ago, it was very structured and very traditional. Whereas now interacting with the Wolves guys is always you know, really great for me because there's a lot of forward thinking people, a lot of younger guys in there. And I think really priority, seem to really prioritise uh, the relationship with the kids. And there's there's that, it's a lot looser and a lot more friendly and a lot more relaxed. And I think that's definitely... You know, from my experience, the the best way to develop the players is is giving them the space to to learn and come up with things themselves, rather than just the coach hammering them all the time. Yeah, I think I think what we've done we, we've sort of agreed on a, on a on a set culture 
um, as, as people um, and, and, and the, the five values that we sort of live and breathe. Um, and we don't want them to become just five things that are up on the wall. So we, we really try and challenge and stretch each other, um, you know, and sometimes it is through, you know, honest feedback as well, staff to staff, the same will, you know, is that humble, you know, and some of the other the values that, that we try and represent. And we, we can't always meet those values day in, day out, but having that honest conversation and, and really reflecting on our practice and our behaviours um, and how that impacts the environment and, and the individuals within that environment, I think is massively important. So that that's become almost the base from which we work and check and challenge. And then it's always from a, a place, you know, the right place. We're never checking and challenging on ego. It's it's we want the best for the environment and, and what do, what did we agree on um, and what do we need to keep tweaking to get to, to to where we need to. So I think I think that was set out um, by initially everyone everyone had their input into that, so everyone felt a part of it, which is very similar to what you just said there in the Norwich environment, which I think is important because then you get the buy in and it's, it, it, there's also accountability because people this this is what I offered to the to conversation. So you know I've got I've got to own that. Um, so that that's been quite good. And then there's a, some set principles around the way that we'd like to play. We appreciate you're not going to be able to hit those, you know, every single day, every single game, every single training session. But that's what we strive towards. Um, and then it's just now, like we say, just refining. We 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 like to feel we're moving in the right direction, but we're not there yet. There's still a lot of work to do. Um, and, and you know, like we say, we just keep learning. Not we'll see things in another environment. We think that could work within ours, but we're not going to make wholesale changes. We feel that we, we've got something that works. So we, we, we go from a place of um, a bit of structure, but then how do we loosen off within the structure to help the individuals, uh, individual strengths come out? Um, so it's kind of like a strengths-based approach. Yeah, it's good. And I, I'd say I definitely have seen a, um, a different culture at Wolves in, in the last few years. Now, I really like it. I, I think staff are great. The, the way the kids act is great. So, you know, Congratulations on that and keep going because I think it's brilliant. Dundee United in Scotland, what, what are your thoughts on what you've you've heard here and how would you describe the culture of your club? Well, it's quite an exciting period for us at Dundee United. One, obviously, getting back in the Premier League last year. Um, some people say back where we belong. <laughs> um, so that's been uh, an exciting time for the, the club at the first team level. But at academy level, again, there's been a, a major investment into academy um, you know we're trying to produce and RIs players that are going to achieve Europa League Champions League players in the long term um, but you know how we develop them to get there is very important i.e. giving them experiences like now coming down to play teams in England exposing them to that level of um, abilities um, but in terms of our own academy structure there's been huge investment into our performance programme within the schools that we have now, um, where we focus on the individual um, and how we make them not just better players, but better people um, through education and personalities. You mentioned strengths, building on player strengths. We talk about super strengths. A lot of coaches nowadays have a mindset of, I need to work on weaknesses, mm -hmm. which there has a place to develop that. But we look at the super strengths of our players and how do we make that um, you know, what can they do as opposed to what can't they do um, is the attitude at the, the academy as well. So but, what would you say the reason for that would be? Is it is it to, to focus on the positive to build confidence because that's so important? Or what? I think there's also, a, when you say confidence, a bit of self-belief. Mm. Um, I think sometimes 
Scotland can let shoot themselves down in terms of the sale of players that we produce. There's a lot of top um, internationals from Scotland who are playing in the English Premier League and representing our our country with um, their individual ability. But I think for us as individuals, it's making our players really believe that they're capable to play against a Wolves, play against a Norwich or, you know, we've down playing um, Liverpool as well, for example, recently and challenging our players to say, you're here, you're here to represent yourself. Um, we're putting you on a platform, not just as Dundee United, but to be exposed to, as you said, cultures of opposition, but um, styles and basically educating our players to say, you're here, you, you can play at this level. Um, and it's making them um, have that belief and confidence, as you said, mm. um, and grow that within our programme, you know, individually. Um, yes, there's times to work on areas that they need to improve on, but we've got to let them know what they're good at and let's focus as well on those strengths as well as um, enhance them in other parts of the game. Yeah, and that, that attitude of wanting to learn and give your boys experience really came over when I, I spoke to Andy Goldie, the, the head of the youth at Dundee United, about the opportunity to come to these tournaments because they came to the the 2007 tournament last week, you've come to the 2006 tournament this week, and then next week you come in with your 2008s as well. And I spoke to Andy and said, look, there's an opportunity. And I'd spoken to probably to four or five other Scottish clubs beforehand and people were umming and eyeing a little bit. But within the phone call, Andy had said, yeah, we're definitely doing it all. And, and that positive attitude was really refreshing because it was like, okay, great. You can have, you know, and, and we'll sort out all the details later, but the opportunity for him to come down and play some top Premier League clubs and, and other um, good clubs in the championship here. And, um, you know, he, he just didn't want to miss that. And that was that was such an impressive reaction, I've got to say. I think you, you nailed the word there, opportunity. We talk about our young players trying to break into first teams um, or development squads, and it's all about giving them that opportunity. The tools that they're going to take away from this week is only going to help them grow educate them, make them better players, learn from different cultures, which we've talked about, different styles. Um, absolutely. These opportunities are second to none for these players. And what they come away from, you know, you've talked about friendships. Okay. Um, us as coaches, getting to know our players a little bit um, better in terms of a different environment. They're more relaxed. There's no parents. Um, there's a lot of responsibility um, and accountability given to our players in terms of, you know, getting up in the morning, um, you know, eating, taking responsibility for what they're eating and fueling their body for the next day. So opportunity has been great. And it's mm -hmm. given those, you've mentioned, Tom, the experience um, and it's the learning that they're going to come away from is going to be second to none. Uh, brilliant. And I know that you're quite new, Matt, into the role of, of under 15, 16's lead at Norwich City, but People are always interested in what's your week like? You know, how many sessions do you get with the boys? And then what do you focus on in each session? How much physical work do you do? How much tactical work do you do? How much technical work do you do? So can yeah. you just describe, you know, roughly a, an average week? I know the season's just started, but just let us know how you like to plan your week and work through the week. Yeah, well, it's uh, COVID permitted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it always changes at the moment. But um, realistically, the boys are coming in for... A day release on a Tuesday, 15th, 16th. So that'd be a double session. Um, those days we're looking at mainly just the game and more individual stuff. Um, for us as coaches, about the environment we're creating so they can learn in, but it'll be for that individual every session. So for instance, if you're if I'm coaching a session, it's attacking in the opposition's half. 
I can't just be like, oh, it's the striker. I've got to affect every single player all the time in that session. And if we're not, then it's something that as a group, as a collective, like you say, like relationship among staff, I even asked the analyst to say to me, like, have I missed anything? Has he seen anything on the camera I've missed? It might be, oh, well, the right back, it's not really, he's not got enough attention in that. And I'm like, okay, I've got to get it next session. He has to know what he's doing. So it's all about the individual. Um, we do that basically on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday is probably heavily more individuals. It might even be that on a Wednesday that they go into an analysis room and they just sit in there with either a coach, a member of staff that's going to talk to them about aspects of the game. Um, obviously, always opportunities to go out on the grass as well, but sometimes even player-led um, where they can go out and work on it might be. So, for instance, statistically, I get X amount of passes a game. So they might go out and just pass kick touches on the ball. I'm going to get 60 passes a game. So I've got to keep getting passes, different variations of passes. Might be a striker. I'm getting in the hot zone three or four times a game, but my conversion rate isn't quite what it is in the hot zone. So I've got to score goals in the hot zone. I've got to be in the hot zone, finishing, finishing, finishing. Uh, so we look at that individual aspect as well. Um, obviously, gym, sports science, they're always about, aren't they? They love it. So, uh, <laughs> they're in every session. Yes. Um, and then uh, Thursdays, uh, just an opportunity to work on the tactical stuff. So that's when we'll really look at the tactical game. It's almost like that match day minus one kind of aspect where it's like we're about to go into our game for the Saturday. This is what we're working on. But it's never like we're preparing for an opposition. I think our role, especially when it's at youth, it's about guiding them in different potential looks. You might be playing a three this weekend. So how you can, how can you affect the three in the way we play at the back rather than a four at the back? So we're giving them different looks. We're not going, oh, we're playing Chelsea this week. We know they play this, so let's do that. We focus on us. It's about the lads and what we can give them to hopefully one day step on the pitch at Carroll Road. So I think that's the most important thing is that we devote everything we do to the lads. And uh, there's nothing more rewarding than seeing a boy at these ages go and get a scholar, go in and get a pro. So I think that's what we're all aiming for when we're every session. Just don't waste a session. That's pretty much it. <laughs> no, that's great. And then you play your matches on, on a Saturday, Saturday don't you? Yeah. So 16 Saturday and 15 on a Sunday. But as we all know here, I'm not sure how it is in Scotland, actually. It might be something to ask, but on a, on a Sunday, the 15s programme, you pretty much run yourself, don't you? It's an yeah. open book. So the Premier League provides you with the, with the 16s fixtures. Um, but the 15s one, they sort of don't give a schedule to. But it's, it's a good and a bad thing at the end of the day because it gives you the scope, for instance, that we could even contact Wolves and be like, are you free on a Sunday? We'll travel up to you. Or mm. when there's an opportunity, like, let's take the boys away. Hopefully in the future we can go, you know what, let's go up to Dundee. Like, if we can do a Sunday, we'll travel up on a Saturday and we'll go play at Liverpool, anything like that, or even Europe. So um, it's, 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 it's good and bad, but I'm hoping that, when everything calms down, we can sort of do a bit more with the 15s because it's, it's a great age group. And we, we we just on that point there is a good point. We we ran um so this is pre-COVID and everything was just normal and you could do other things. Um we ran a Wolves Cup at the under 15s um and sort of contacted some like-minded clubs who were in a similar position because we had quite a big group. There had a lot of 15s who were playing 16s, but in terms of developing them, we felt that they needed a lot of games. So there was more game learning um, with that particular group, not particularly, not necessarily that we locked off training. They're still trained, but we felt that lots of games for that group was appropriate, um, which then obviously squeezed the 16s into the 18s earlier because their development kind of like was kind of accelerated by that because they were having to, at times, probably carry the 15s. So it kind of stretched their learning a little bit. But I felt that that was like something that that, that worked quite well. Um, and again, 
we looked for not the samey type of opposition. So we, you know, we played a TNS home and away on a Tuesday night, which looked different. You know, again, it's a different experience. I've been to school rather than a Saturday of World Cup of, you know, I've chilled in the, you know, in the morning. Mum's made me a bit of breakfast. And I've, you know, it's a different, a different experience. It's not just the game. And, and then playing away at a TNS and the lights aren't working and, the showers ain't great. Like it's, it was brilliant, brilliant experience for the lads, you know, taking them out of their bubble and, you know, you, you got all your little kit pile nice and neat and everything. You're having to put up your kit quick because it's, you know, we haven't got as long and it's true. It just shows difference in the players and, and, and the individuals and who, who can actually embrace the, the experience and step up and go, right. And you learn a lot about, you learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about the players in when, when the back's against the wall, I like to say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Matt spoke a little bit about concentrating on them for the games. Now, do you play a certain way at Wolves? You know, do you say, well, this is how the first team want us to play, therefore you play that way every game? Or do you change formations or change styles just to create different learning experiences for the kids? It's actually an interesting question because um, last last year we we were encouraged by the sort of like... It was because of what was happening with the individuals, if I tell you the truth. So at 15s and 16s, we're a little bit more loose and down. So... You know, we try and play a few different shapes to give them different experiences. Look at the strengths of the players. And, you know, there's no point in me playing a player who's got certain strengths. So we've got a winger who likes to beat people on the outside. I'm not going to play him as inverted wingers in a 4-2-3-1 because, yeah, he can develop his game there. But his strengths, we want to see his strengths coming out as well. But we might give him the, f- the flexibility of when do you come inside and then how does that affect the fullback? So you give them like different scenarios. But you, we kind of look around the strengths of the individuals and, and how we can encourage those because we don't isolate the game away from the training. The training's an extension of the game. The game's an extension of the training. That's our view um, that they're developing. So it's a development opportunity, as, as, as you quite rightly said. Um, so I think I think you in youth development, it's slightly different. I think as you get older and you probably are maybe going to go into the first team, the first team manager going to require this from you, then maybe the 18s and 23s might not need to start looking like that slightly. But I still think they're, they're very young in a development. Most players, you know, if you look at the common trends, you know, we're not getting boys on a regular basis who, who are stepping into first 11s at 17, 18 years old. So why do we need to jump the gun on his development? He's still developing his game. He's got lots to learn and, and he's got time. You know, um, but again, it just depends on where that individual is in that certain stage of, of their development. I've, you know, had the pleasure of working at different clubs and seeing how things have been done different to you, Matt. So I've been at a Birmingham and seen uh, some of the players that have come through there have developed and, and you know, what they needed. And then you might have a player who looks similar to him and behaves similar, but actually their maturity and their life experiences might look different. Their support mechanisms from a home life situation, their friends, siblings, there's, there's loads of different things that impact that learning and, and that development. So I think you've got to take the, the holistic sort of view and, and, and see where that individual is at that current you know point in time. And then how do you help support and stretch and support, stretch and support them all the time. Yeah, brilliant. And, and Paul, at Dundee United, do you, when you play in say Celtic or Rangers, do you approach that differently to maybe when you're playing so the other clubs, no, you have, you have a, no, shaking no, his head. No, 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 he shaking my head, yes. No, we, we talk about style and identity at all different clubs, and we have our style, our identity. And I think what you're referring to there when you talk about uh, 
tactical setups. You know, you, you have to educate your players to be tactically flexible. Same with the coaches. Um, you know, we do like to play in a 4-3-3, for example, but I'll give you an example. At the weekend, we started in that formation, but we finished the game in a 3-5-2, um, and the players are able to adapt to that. So it's important that, yes, you look at the strengths of your individual players and how can you tailor your formation around that as well. Um, so I think the flexibility has to be there from um, empowering coaches with with their their knowledge of the game as well and allowing them to be selective with their formations. We do have a 4-3-3s, our sort of style and identity, how we want to play, but there is a great deal of flexibility in that approach. It always used to fascinate me. Several years ago, you'd hear of a certain club like in the Premier League, at the top of the Premier League, and they'd say, well, they play in this way, so they get from under nines up they play in that same style and everyone seemed to think that was great. And it always struck me as that's very rigid and inflexible. Whereas we, a lot of the things we've talked about here is about the person and developing uh, decision makers and flexibility. Well, you're not going to develop people like that if from the age of eight up till, you know, maybe we play in the reserves in the first team, you're only, you're only going to play one way. That seems crazy. So it's great to hear that that is coming in now. People are beginning to, be adaptable, be flexible, give different challenges. I mean, I, I work with the with the very young kids. So we give our kids a lot of um, different experiences playing different positions. Yeah, um, so, you know, we'll play, you know, a, a, center, a kid might look at nine, 10 years old, like he might be a striker, but it does them great to play, you know, half a game at, at centre-back because they're learning how the other players uh, yeah. work do you, do you still do that a lot yeah I think it's that important is. you get especially the young ones we talk about the foundation and Matt's mentioned before but the it's giving them exposure and if, if you know they, they might have to help in that scenario it's, it's it's painting different pictures for these players and the more pictures you give them and more knowledge they get they're obviously going to have um, better tools when they go through the the stages of learning through the game so it's important that you do give them different opportunities as you get more to the tactical phase which we're now sort of and there starts to be this little tunnel of where players might play um, but there's still flexibility in where players might move you know you, you might have a, a you know a midfielder playing in a false nine for example so they might be able to play because of their their techni technical ability and their understanding of the game so it's important that the, these players especially at our age now they're getting to that stage where the, the tactical side of the game is becoming more. So the flexibility, as I mentioned before, is only going to enhance them because when you talk about a first-team manager, they change. Yeah. So if you're starting with a style that's a 4-4-2 with a first team and you filter that down through your academy, that manager's gone. What style are we playing now? Yeah. So if you lean towards your first team as opposed to thinking about the players in the, the grassroots game and all the way up through the academy, you have to give them that flexibility because of the the adaptations and changes that happen at the top end of the, the game. So that prepares the players better. You mentioned at the point that just triggered me off. Like it's, and I know you mentioned about toolboxes and things like that. It's, it's almost like what you set out to do at the end. So you mentioned earlier about Dundee United, that they, they, they want to produce players who can play in the Europa League, players who can play in the Champions League. So it's almost looking at what are the things that what are the thing what are the things that they're going to need in their toolbox to operate at that level, rather than operating someone's first team. So Lionel Messi plays in anyone's first team, uh, Ronaldo, and we're talking high end there. 
but we could strip it back and talk about it. like still good players, but who can go and play at the level. So and Matt Tomlinson goes and plays in any Premier League first team because he's got tools that are well suited to that level. Um, so he could he could play in it as a holding two, he could play as a holding one, he could you know play in flat three. He, he's a good player, <laughs> so he can operate in that area of the pitch, and he'll get a job. And he and he'll make a good living. So, you know, for me, and he could probably play across Europe doing the same. So, I think it's more about what what you want to see, what you'd like to see at the end, because we're not always going to see that. And you'll have three, four years where you don't see one. But then it's that one gem that might come through every now and again, and you go, "Yep, there we are." And it's and it's almost like, well, what's your benchmark? What do you see as success? You know, yeah, we've been in the environment long enough that we probably know that, for instance. 15, 16, I'm sure you're aware of the 18s are like, I oh, need a player. Like, and sometimes you're developing lads who's like, oh, I need him to play. He's a sentiment, I need to play right back. And then how many times we've seen an 18 or a 23 and the managers, you're like, yeah, he's our right winger. He's like, no, he's a, he's a right back for me or something like that, where it's like, he'll play first team here. So they have to be adaptable. Yeah. And I suppose that all comes from us and coaching and what we do on the grass because we might be like, oh, look at him, he's, he's a quality centre-mid, underrating, oh my God, like that, gaffer season, I need him right back. Mm. So, because, but you're like, oh, but he's a centre-mid, but yeah, but he's about to play for the first team at right back, he's going to make his debut at 18, and how many kids you see do that, mm. that aren't, they make their debut in the position they don't even play. Yeah. So, that's just so important what we do at these ages. And you just sort of touched <clears> on <throat> a bit there, Matt, about play, kids playing up age groups and, and maybe playing down them as well. I, I, there's a great example I was chatting to a guy from a Premier League club a couple of years ago and he was going to go and play a game with a young team and he knew against one of the, the big clubs in, in England and he was going to lose the game. Uh, Saturday morning, under-16 game, he was going to lose it. So he took quite a few under-14s with him. They were playing two years up and there was one particular player that was going to play wide right and the whole purpose of the game was to get that kid experience but the right back was one of the better players and he was going to be his mentor through the game. So the whole focus of his game was just on that relationship, getting the leadership skills and the mentoring skills out of the established right back and then giving the, the younger under 14 all this experience of playing against a top team. Um, and then there's lots of other examples. Say at Manchester United, we played guys, I think of like Tom Cleverley and people like that that played down. Um, loads of kids do. So that's something that you're aware of, of not just sticking rigidly to age groups, but giving kids the opportunity to play up and challenge them. But also at times, maybe kids that are talented, but not as physically developed, holding them back a little bit and giving them that opportunity as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a, you, you talk about the reverse of it and playing down. It's also to give players success. Yeah, definitely. You know, you've talked about physiology there. Some players aren't ready for the physicality of a game. So you do have to think about um, their needs, uh, which is important. So... You know, even this week, we've brought a number of players up um, who have come today, eh, this week, sorry, um, who are from the younger age group. Yeah, who are here you recognised a few yeah, faces. So last year, five great. or six of them have come, yeah. come with us again. And we just feel um, they were successful last week. So this is a different challenge. You're going to come up against faster players, more physical players. So you're now going to have to maybe show a bit more combativeness or you're going to have to find different solutions because... You might not have as much time in the ball, so how do you receive it and release it quicker? So it's given them different um, opportunities to learn again. Um, and, and also, how did they react to that challenge? You know, the, per, from a personality mm -hmm. standpoint, because Matt's saying if a, if a kid's going to go and play in the first team at eighteen, you've got to be pretty robust and you've got to be pretty tough. So if you can't handle playing up 
one year mm-hmm. and you've not got the personality to deal with that, then that, that really informs you. What about you, Wes? I was going to say, I think you? you touched on that earlier, didn't yeah. you? When you said about stretching them and supporting yeah. them, I think it's like you go back to that four corners, like you might have a player that's physically just ahead of his years, but technically not or tactically not. So you know you can stretch him by playing up and stretching tactically, stretching technically where he's going to get less time on the board. Physically, he can cope. But then again, if you stretch them too much, they're going to be like, well, I'm on this and they're going to be down. So it's all about that environment you set. So I think it's like a fine balance. And when you do stretch, when you do have keep them in an, the environment that they're used to or they're settled in, uh, it's quite a delicate balance, I believe. And I think that's where I mean, it's the like, clubs that produce get it right. And and and, and formulating that 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 conversation and and having the conversation with the right people. So we we've brought an under 13 to this to this under 16s tournament and for different reasons and it's and it's not the obvious it's not the physical it's not the technical it's it's the other bits around his psych and his social um and you know you, you look at that and even some of the players are thinking what's he doing here but you know <laughs> what i mean but it's you know and you learn different things about them but again that conversation's got to be had if if you know for example there were things going on at school you got to have that triangular conversation so i was i was here at school at the minute checking with the family i was here at the minute so you try and gauge if it's the right time to be doing that we felt that it was the right time all right they've only come back in for a week because their off was different from ours we've been back in for like three like four or five weeks now so they're, they're they're kind of like at a different stage of fitness you know back into the swing of things back into the old routine and different things albeit they're off school but we just felt that it's probably the right time for him because he's not at school where he's got a lot of distraction and a lot of other things going on so it might be a good time to stretch him now because he's he's, he's load his bucket's not as full um, and he's got more time to process things with how we know he operates and different things. So we thought it was a good opportunity to stretch him. Um, you know, middle of November, it might be right for him to just play one up or two up or, you know, again. But we just felt that it was a good opportunity for us to get to know him because he's going to be... Has he responded to that challenge? He's responded quite positively, to be honest, yeah. at present. But tomorrow's a different day. How do you sleep tonight? Do you prepare well tomorrow? How do you manage tomorrow? We played him in a different position, didn't tell him. It was just lots of little curved balls for him because usually it's the other way around. You've got to prep him and you've got to tell him. But we, we were almost ready for the blow, if that makes sense, because we want to see how he reacts. But he's actually surprised us, if that makes sense. So far. Uh, this is really interesting for me because I, I think that adversity is really important. And so a lot of kids... If, if they're in their own age group and they just have success and success, so most weeks they're going out and they're playing well and training sessions are the best player, they don't get that adversity. So you don't get to find out how they're going to bounce back because one thing's for sure, if they progress into the world of professional football, at some point they're going to hit adversity. They're going to hit problems um, in lots of different ways. It might just be in getting injured, you know, and things like that. Or there's so many ways that they're going to have to show resilience and they're going to have to show determination to fight through it. Yeah, if from the age of eight years old to sort of 14, 15, everything's just great and they stay in that environment, in their own age group, where they're very comfortable, they're successful, then you don't get to give them those learning experiences. And so one of the things I, I think is really key, and that's a fantastic example of put that in front of the kid. And, and if he doesn't rise to the challenge, then he'll learn from it and, and maybe benefit and you can talk to him about it. If he does rise to the challenge and is successful, then wow, how great is that that you that you've done that? So that's that's fantastic. I think the key with that as well is is how you reflect 
Yeah, but this, you know, you reflect on, um, you've talked about how they handle the situation. So, yeah, there, there'll be positivity. You've talked about adversity there, but it's how you reflect as a coach with them um, at a human level. You know, you talk about what have they learned. You, you try and find out what they've got out of this experience. So I think the reflection part of that uh, is very important in the discussion with the player and their family. So they, you know, they become aware of, these scenarios and these situations and, and you're right if you it's like, almost like letting them put their toe in the water a little bit with the age up it gives them that challenge we talked about the physicality but we're now talking of things about socially mentally yeah. there's so many domains here that it's have been touched to, to manufacture those statements yeah. at the end of the day isn't it yeah. but i think you hit the nail on the head as long as all parties involved are aware of it because the last thing you want to do is stretch someone that's not having a good time at school. I think that point's probably the biggest one because we can't forget that at the end of the day they're kids. Yeah. So that's why I think like I'm sure we're all the same. It's about the environment you create. It's all about that environment. I think the environment you said there, and I'm gonna uh, big up Tom here, this environment here is great. You know, yeah. you can see the facilities we've got, the fact that we've got a common room in yeah. our um accommodation. That's just the place where they all come together. So you can see with each team, I'm sure there's a bigger togetherness that's going to come out of this. Yeah, and that's a, big, that's a big factor for me in hosting the events that I that I do. I put them into the, the private schools in England because if you're in a hotel, you know, I've, I've been away with teams at Manchester United, you're in a hotel, and so you've got members of the public around there. And so you, the kids have got to behave in those social areas and then you've got just a bedroom. So you can't get... Sort of, 16 17 20 kids in one bedroom so you tend then to get little cliques that that split off and so you just get certain lads will be together whereas here in the in the boarding houses at oakham school you've got at least one big common room area with tvs and some of them have got like foosball and and table tennis and stuff like that so you've got these areas that the kids go to and they're just interacting and and getting to know each other and you know off the pitch so that's a that's definitely a huge benefit for for this sort of style and you've got the whole house to yourself you know so it becomes your little home from home for for the three four days or whatever you're here um so certainly compared to a hotel i think this is a, such a such a great environment i think just to add to that as well so we we discussed the pre um sort of planning on, on when we're going to stretch individuals and how we plan to to, to cater for the, the individuals within within the environment you, you discussed there about the post but one of the big things are now technical director who's our past academy manager um scott talks about a lot he doesn't want huddle players so that's a platform obviously we use um to, to sort of look at the analysis and different things and i think what he means by that is he, he wants people that kind of reflect in the action so we've got our pre we've got our post but when we do well, why have we done well? I don't know if you, you heard you said when they scored one of the goals, you've got to understand why it, it was. And that's a big thing we're trying to drive now with the coaches, with ourselves reflecting on our own practice, you know, what's not going well now? Can we reflect in action and do something about it? Or we or we plan not to do anything about it. So that's a little bit to do with our pre and then looking at our post. But then if it's something that we need to do something about, I've got the ability to recognise that and help them. Um and then again, the individuals within that. Then, so the, we're developing, they're developing. Can they recognise as well in action what what's going well, what's not going so well? How can I how can I do something about that? We, ultimately, what I said at the start, we want independent decision makers. So we need to help them to to gain that that knowledge and understanding of how we actually affect things. So yeah, 
Yeah, it's really fascinating because I've been in this sort of thing a long time. I'm definitely the oldest person sitting around this table. So um, when I first started, there was, and, and maybe when I go to the States, there's this culture of the coach and the coach is always right and the coach knows everything. And the role of the coach is to pour his or her knowledge into the kids and that's how they'll learn. What's so fantastic about this conversation is that it, people are realizing it's not that it's all about creating opportunities, creating learning experience, creating environments and supporting kids in those environments in order for them to establish their own learning and their own development rather than it just being the coach tells them what to do. I agree. I think we learn from our players every day. Sometimes they're coaching us, um, you know, they might do so they might see something differently in the pitch than we see from the side. So I think that's you know spot on that we have to have the balance. It can't be prescribed um, in terms of how you coach. There's got to be problem solvers, as you said, Wes, but it's it's helping them and facilitating them to find solutions. Yeah. And these opportunities coming to tournaments like this, there's going to be a lot of problem solving. There's going to be a lot of opportunities and scenarios where they have to find solutions. How do I escape from a 2v1? How do I escape from a 1v1? Or, you know, how do I challenge against a different opposition in terms of their setup? So there, there's so many factors in this tournament we're all going to learn from, not just as a coach, we're going to learn from our players as well. So it's a, it's a great way. Great. So Matt, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? Looking forward to yeah. playing more teams. We're looking forward to it. We've got a, we had a, a funny start because like I said to you, we've only had one training session. So yeah. we came in and uh, you could tell we'd only had one training session for the first five minutes. <laughs> but then they, they sort of hit the ground running and then we got uh, a little bit bullied by Plymouth. So <laughs> physically. So now we're looking forward to playing more games. I think we've got Cambridge first. I think we may have all of you tomorrow, eh? So uh, we'll come across you. I'll, I'll make sure I don't say anything too loud. <laughs> no, no, you had a good win against Leicester City today, didn't you? That must have been... Yeah, amazing. that was... A, we went 1-0, as I said in the first five minutes, we went 1-0 down straight away. But the boys like really got into the game, to be fair to them, and they started doing bits that we've only really spoke about. Because I'm sure, as you know, your first session back yeah. is really just that possessions conditioning it's all about getting touches on the ball as well as hitting certain distances on your and your playmakers and your gps's so um, there's only little bits we spoke about but sometimes you, you forget how smart the boys are because they it's a new age of, of of child isn't it where their life is youtube and research online and whatnot so when you say something to a lad they'll go on their phone or whatever and they'll basically look at what you said and they'll take it in so much quicker than you expect sometimes so like they went out there and did some really good bits today. So it was nice right. sort of relaxed on the sideline. So hopefully more of that <laughs> In tomorrow. the sunshine as well. Yeah, so yeah. Wes, apart from the sausage, bacon and eggs for breakfast, what are you looking forward to tomorrow? <laughs> well, that's going to be hard to beat there. Um, no, it's really similar to Matt, to be honest. Like I, 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 game day for me is, is the best day ever. Like, you know, I just, I just enjoy seeing the lads having a go at doing things. Yeah. Um, I'm known as a bit like kind of the nutty professor at the club. I'm always like just free and just, I'm a big kid basically. I, I just love to see him doing bits. I want them exciting people. I've spoken to him um, before the first game and I, just, I actually said to him, I said, first and foremost, you're entertainers. Like yeah. you're here to entertain yeah. people, entertain yeah. yourself, make yourself feel good and um, do, do something to, you know, whatever that is. And then I said, what does that look like in your eyes? And you, and you pose a question. And again, you learn about individuals. One says, oh, big tackle. The other one says, oh, going past someone. Someone, someone says, oh, helping your mate. And it tells you a lot about them as people. Um, and I, that that's what excites me more than anything, to be honest. I'm um, just playing and watching them develop, watching them learn. 
watching them struggle, watching them get better at something, just just all the reality of of what's to come at whatever level they end up. Um, you know, some some will go on and play a really good standard. Some some you know will drop below that. But you know, so long as they've had a good experience with us, something I always reflect on: people will forget what you say, but I'll never forget how you make them feel. So I think our job as youth developers is to make them feel good about themselves as people, and be in a position where they feel like they can express themselves, and then also just just again understand how that impacts others around you. So if I'm a one v one specialist and I get the ball. We know the stats nine times out of ten. Unless you're bigger than everyone else, you know there's going to be failure within that. So it's it's understanding. I'm I'm going to do a bit of me, but then my mates also made a good run. So when 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 am I slipping him in, and how does that make him feel? And then would he give me the ball so I can express myself more? And it's just getting them to understand. And, and we we all know about the child brain and and, and that developing teenager brain can be difficult to get those messages across <laughs> to them at times because they see they they see, they feel about themselves at that point but you know i'd say i'd say certainly we've got the most challenging age group um across like academies i've, I've worked literally from the, the the real young ones five years old right through and I, I think this is probably the most challenging and exciting age group to be honest um again like we we, we haven't got any 16s in there but like it's really pleasing seeing like that that 13 to 15 sort of how they're managing now because sometimes if they've got the 16s then the 15s probably don't step up you know what I mean so it's giving them space to grow yeah so they they sometimes suppress that development Mm -hmm. as well because they've got the big brother to look after them and it's like well you ain't got no one to look after you now you've got to look after him Um, so that's been that's been something I'm looking forward to Uh, that's great and uh, Paul where's Matt you know, thanks for bringing your teams to the tournament. Thanks for the attitude that you and your boys have shown this afternoon in the first couple of games. You've all got four games, four more group games tomorrow, and then it's the playoffs on Thursday. And it's been brilliant so far. And uh, thanks for this conversation. It's been fascinating for me. And I hope um, everyone's enjoyed listening to this on the Go Play Soccer podcast. Thanks, gents. Thanks for listening. And if you have a question or comment for us, or if you'd like to take part in one of our podcasts, please email podcast at goplaysoccer.com.